service to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the greatest generation, Deep Space Nine. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. How you doing today, Adam? It's 420 today, Ben. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so that's how I'm doing. Hmm. Are you, are you blazing, brother? Well, I'm doing a lot of things today. <laughs> Cracking brew dogs? Gotta do it. Is that that uh, spotted cow or whatever? It is. I'm cracking open a spotted cow. I'm pouring it into my Maximum Fun Rocket Logo Frosty Mug. Wow. How do you wind up with all these spotted cows? Because we got some on a tour stop at one point. I've never gotten to try it. It all went home with you? Is that what happened? That's exactly what happened. Uh, It all went home with with me. And then occasionally... I will have a friend or a family member send me a half rack. Wow. And uh, and that's how I <laughs> I have a rolling, very low supply of it as the months <laughs> go on. Like, I, yeah. I always seem to have around six. That's great. It's so cool that you've never shared any of that with me, even though some of it was technically for me. I know. Yeah. I've hoarded it. I, the, the hoarding isn't good. <laughs> you hate to see it. It stresses the supply chain. That's the problem with it. I know. And if I ever see you again in person, I'll bring some over. How's that? Okay. That or I kick your butt. Yeah. Yeah. Which <laughs> which is more likely? Um, you giving me free beer? Think so. Man, a, a 420 episode. Who'd, who'd have thunk it? My father's birthday is 420. <laughs> that's great. That's what we're celebrating, right? Yeah. That's what I'm celebrating. Happy birthday, Ben's dad. <laughs> I'm just having myself a little a little Friday afternoon rum beverage. Yeah, I'm looking at you during. We're we're continuing to do the Skype thing. Yeah. What do you got in that glass? This may be a mistake. Uh this is a uh a mango passion fruit daiquiri, I guess would would be the best description. Is that one of those bagqueries? That you, mm-hmm. that you mentioned before, made in a Ziploc bag? Ziploc bag in the freezer overnight. Everything but the mango. I uh, I blended it with some frozen mango when it came out. You've told me about that cocktail a bunch, and yet the many occasions that I've recorded at your home have never offered me one. So that's cool, too. Well, you know, I... Uh, Evidently, we're both good at hoarding. It takes a lot of forethought to make this drink because you have to make it the night before. And, you know, when I'm thinking about you coming over to the house, I'm more thinking about how I protect my valuables than how I provide you things to to drink. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always walking off with something. (laughs) Yeah, we always count the silverware when you leave. Yeah. And I have a growing collection of butter knives. (laughs) (laughs) When you cracked that can, right after saying the thing about 420, I thought for sure you were going to be cracking a can of some kind of marijuana soda. Boy, that sounds great, by the way, but also terrifying. <laughs> I've never had a good experience with a, a soda weed. Really? Yeah. What about those ones I was making uh, at that party that one time? Those were soda weed? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember those. Yeah, but that was that was made by... 
it feels like that was a different thing. Like the dosage was was far less for yeah. the for the beer company weed drink that we had on that trip. Yeah, I was making. I was. I was. Uh, I, I was making like a, a Rattler with it so that it wouldn't be as much as high of a dosage. I mean, you get a guy like John Gabris drinking a a soda weed beverage with like. 400 milligrams of THC in it. <laughs> I I don't know how he does it. That seems like it would be lethal. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine that. On a recent bonus episode of Friendly Fire. <laughs> yeah. um, the, the hit podcast? Yeah. The hit podcast, Friendly Fire. A recent bonus episode, I... Uh, I, I idly dosed myself. I wouldn't say it was totally an accident, but I had some THC candies on my desk and I had one mid podcast, which I was guessing I was not going to feel the effects of until well after the end of the podcast, Uh but maybe it was just the adrenaline kicking my system into high gear, but, uh, I, I was, you got a little paranoid, really feeling it by the end. Really paranoid. Just like, just like, wow, I am. I'm not not myself right now. You know, a lesser friend would say something like, "I couldn't tell the difference," and and turn that into an insult. But I'm I'm saying that, and by saying that, uh, I'm complimenting you. Like I could not tell the difference, and I think it's because you just shook it off so ably. I hold it together. I know how to. I know how to maintain. I don't. I, w- I don't do that. I fall apart. Yeah, I I will say that I um, given the stresses that everyone is going through have been like self-medicating maybe a bit more than I'm uh, proud of lately. Yeah? Yeah. That's something that I've yet to do or really lean into. I think part of it is the scarcity of materials. Ben, where do I get the materials if I run out? God damn it. But but also, uh, I want to keep my wit. I feel yeah. a, a strange sense of paranoia that, like, I want to be ready for something unforeseen. If this does does turn out to be a fast zombie scenario, you want to be able to run. That's that's what I'm saying. That's <laughs> it's an ugly thought, but uh, I'm I'm haunted by ugly thoughts these days. Yeah, I don't I don't want to be. Maybe that means I should be I should be getting into the jazz gums. A little more liberally and you know what we should do what we should commit to do is playing a little more jazz horse Mm. for our health tell me you love jazz horse earth horse okay boys saddle up you're as handy with a shooting iron as you are with a woman's heart i'm beginning to see the appeal of this program i suggest you find a new line of work It's okay, girl. Just a scratch. For our health. That's how we should be self-medicating. Chilling out with some jazz horse. Let's make a jazz horse date for either tonight or this weekend. Let's let's that do that. That sounds so nice. The last time we did that was like six months ago. I know. And it it was uh it was very badly stymied by the fact that I thought that I could just use my um my iPhone headphones to to talk to you guys through my controller, yeah, and they did not work. So I went, and, I went and bought a fancy set of video game headphones, which is like the most extravagant, useless thing I've ever bought. Because we never we never did another jazz horse hang. We we VR headsetted ourselves again. We did that thing where we thought we had a good idea that took a little money. <laughs> we tried it a couple of times and it failed, and then we never used it again. 
Like, yeah. look, we're going to dust off the headphones, Ben, and we're going to make it right. And it's going to be for our health. Maybe we should dust off the VR sets, too. Yeah? Can you do Jazz Horse over VR? I think we should do that Star Trek game over VR. All right. And broadcast it you know what, for the that, world to see. That doesn't sound very therapeutic to me. We should try it again. All right. That's what I'm saying. All right. All right, fine. Uh, yeah, everyone's doing doing Twitch streams these days. Yeah, Twitch is going crazy right now. Why not us, Twitch? <laughs> Podcasting is down industry-wide and Twitch is up. Yeah, it's time to buy high on Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to get out of this sinking ship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this has been a terrible mistake. Uh, on paper, will today's episode be a terrible mistake? I don't know. I don't know if I were to pitch you the idea to this story, if you'd want to buy it, Ben. But let's talk over what actually happened. The episode we actually get is Deep Space Nine Season 6, Episode 10, The Magnificent Ferengi. <laughs> How incredible this is! <laughs> no, of course you don't. Looks like Lita is picking up bartending shifts at Quarks now. That's got to be a big up upgrade from just uh, working the Dabo tables, right? Yeah, I've got to believe that. I think. You know, you spend any time in a bar versus at a table playing a casino game. I think you know which tips are bigger. Dabo girls aren't croupiers, are they? They're not like running the games. Or are they? I feel like both in the last episode we got a glimpse of the Dabo table and a little bit in this episode, it doesn't look like we get Dabo girls anymore. What hmm. happened? Maybe Quark stopped being such a misogynistic asshole. Hey, good for him. Yeah. He's getting better. He put Lita behind the bar. That's good. That's That's got to be a promotion, right? It's got to be. You don't see her pouring drinks, though. I wonder I wonder how her drinks are. Hmm. She seems to be a dedicated person. Like, I, I bet she would take it really seriously and do a good job. Yeah. I miss going to bars. Some great news in this scene, Adam. Squill is back on the menu, boys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, speaking of missing things, everyone has been eating unadorned pancakes yeah, for yeah. months and months. Just Sauce dry ass pancakes. Every supermarket you go into, you go down to the sauce of squill aisle and it's just empty shelves. A limit of two only when they even have the stock. Yeah, it sucks. You try yeah. and order it on Amazon, they're back-ordered. No sauce of squill anywhere. No. This turns out to have been some scheme by the uh, the consortium on the planet that that grows squill. You're saying there was a squill squeam? <laughs> yeah, they had a squill squeam. <laughs> they were trying to squapress the squaply of squill. <laughs> Squill Squeam was my least favorite character in Transformers. <laughs> okay, let's just quit this stupid podcast now. <laughs> I'm like almost done with this fucking giant drink I made for myself. I'm, cr I'm crossfading and firing on all cylinders. Wow. Uh... <laughs> and unlike you on the hitch podcast, Friendly Fire. Yeah! People can tell. 
Quark has secured a couple of crates of squill, sauce of squill, because uh, he had some... He's trying to tell some story about this. I once did business with the nephew of the cousin of the stepsister of a friend of the secretary to the consortium's chief accountant. But nobody really cares about this story. (laughs) Right? I mean, it's sad because Quark is sincerely feeling great about this story. This isn't... Like, I feel like you can tell when someone is has like gathered the people around mm-hmm. in order to tell a story that makes them look great. There's the darkness that is about ego inflation. Yeah. But I feel like Quark is just really excited about holding court and telling a story that he thinks is good. I don't think this is about making himself look heroic, even though the dialogue that everyone else has serves that idea. Yeah. But he really seems hurt when people turn away and see the Starfleets walk in. Like the meanest prank we could possibly pull on Roderick would be at like a like a Max FunCon type of thing where he is given to planting himself somewhere and holding forth like this, like just arrange with 20 people to go gather around and start listening to some story he starts to tell and then just everyone walk away immediately. <laughs> That would be really hurtful. Why would you want to do that to him? I'm just, I'm saying that would be a mean prank. That's the premise of the thing I just said. You're just coming up with pranks against third host of Friendly Fire, the hit war movie podcast, John Roderick? That guy could come down a peg or two, in my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Couple of pegs, if you ask me. Couple of pegs, yeah. (laughs) It's a prank. Oh, no. Ben pranked me. (laughs) Dex, uh, Bashir, and O'Brien walk into the bar. They've just come off of some secret mission behind enemy lines in Cardassian space. Dax has got a couple of those batteries held up to her chest, so you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know it was successful. Bashir and O'Brien, each one, each have one down by their dick. Yeah. Um, it's it's uh, it's gone great for them. They you know you don't just throw something like that away. Conquering heroes, that's the vibe. Yeah. So they come in and and people are much more interested in in what went on with them. So uh, so they they draw all of the all of the fun away from Quark, who uh, Roderick like is is crestfallen. Quark for the moment can't understand why people are are so interested in in the Starfleet's story of their adventures instead of his own. And Odo is there to explain that heroism can mean different things to different people. It's true. Not everyone keeps their heroism in the same place. (laughs) Yeah, Quark keeps it in his knees, for example. Uh Uh-huh. But he he gets a call blown into him by the Nagus, and we elliptically cut to a scene where Quark has found Rom doing Rom work. Yeah, inside a like on some conduit somewhere. Rom found like the honey stick mother load in this conduit. I love gold. Yeah, <laughs> there, yeah, there are a lot of them in there. I would have loved to just like end the scene with Quark like reaching out and just like pocketing one of those. It seems like if you're making Jeffrey's tubes in a workplace full of honey sticks, you wouldn't want to waffleize them <laughs> in a way that that like many of the of the paneling yeah. is made. It's going to be impossible to clean up. Yeah, if you drop one, it's just going to go down into the cracks. That's bad news. Yeah. You got to replace the whole plate. Yeah, it's a fucking mess. Got to replace the waffle. <laughs> It, in its entirety. 
you definitely don't want to spill sauce of squill on on <laughs> that kind of plating. Sure don't. The sauce of squill, like you want you want the dark stuff, right? You want that grade grade B sauce it? of squill. Is a lot of people yeah. think it's it's worse sauce of squill, but it's actually more flavorful. The letters actually mean the opposite of what you would think. Yeah. 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 Grade A's just sweeter. Great B, a little bit, little bit richer flavor. You know, uh, my wife and I recently ran out of our preferred pancake mix that that you can only get in Seattle. <laughs> uh, it's it's great. It's it's like it's very popular to Seattleites, oh. and uh, uh-huh. and we ended up mail ordering it, and you can only get it in quantities of like four boxes. <laughs> so we ordered basically. $45 of pancake mix <laughs> in these four giant boxes that we have in our pantry now, but it was wow. the only way to get it. Wow. You're, that's a, that is a profound self-own. The, it really is. The idea of spending $45 on a mixture of flour and baking soda. <laughs> I knew I knew that would be the angle that you took with it, but, uh, but we were feeling homesick, and that stuff is... is has unique properties. You can't just make it. Oh yeah, I'm sure you can't. There's something secret <laughs> in there. It's impossible to reproduce the pancakes that only this mix can make. You know what, man? Uh, one of these days, <laughs> in, a, in a year or two, when we're allowed to see each other, I'll make you these pancakes and I'll make you a believer. Mm. What, you don't like pancakes? I bet you don't. I like pancakes. Man of unpopular food opinions. I made some pancakes last weekend. Yeah. Did you put squill on them? No, I put the great bee maple syrup on them. Gotta do that. They were good. The bee's the good stuff. Yeah. I was a little bummed because I was out of frozen blueberries, and I like to put some uh, frozen blueberries in the pancake. I like that a lot, but you don't put it in the mix. Ben, you, you put it in the cake in yeah, the pan. Yeah, you drop them That's onto the cake it. in the pan. That's what you do. So they don't blew up your pancake. Yeah. You, no one wants to... <laughs> no one wants to... Blew their pancakes before they're ready. <laughs> so the deal here is the Nagus has uh, has blown this call into Quark because uh, Quark's mommy has been abducted by the Dominion. Quark is in charge of getting her back. Apparently, the Ferengi have no military now for reasons. I mean, this is the moment you must suspend your disbelief, right? Because the Nagus is is the head of state, like the president of Ferenginar, is telling a bartender (laughs) that he must go rescue his lady friend. Yeah. Uh, She got abducted by them at some point when she went to Vulcan to have some plastic surgery done, which I thought was pretty surprising, the idea that the best plastic surgeons in the quadrant would be on Vulcan. Oh, that is interesting. Vulcans not known for their vanity. I mean, they're not, but they are all really, like, tight, you know? Oh, yeah, they're super fuckable. Yeah. So maybe maybe that's, like, the one vice that Vulcans have is that they're, they're very, like, appearance-oriented. Just want to grab those bangs and take a face ride. <laughs> just get a very precise blowjob. Yeah. You just want to fuck Sarek... <laughs> So bad. <laughs> Why don't you suck this that is my dick? <laughs> <laughs> fucking Sarek. Eat it. You fucking... 
terry cloth batman motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) uh you know what aspect of the story is never brought up? I mean, among the hundreds, let's be honest. <laughs> is that the price that the Nagus puts on Moogie's head is only 50 bars? Yeah. Like, she should be insulted by this, right? I just never know what any of this is worth to anyone. Yeah. You know? I think anyone would be insulted by any number. Right. Yeah, that's the issue. Is like, what you want if you're Moogie is for a fleet of those horseshoe ships from TNG to raid Dominion space and get you back. Yeah, but uh, instead it is the B squad (laughs) led by Quark. It's like the C squad. (laughs) Quark tries to recruit Rom for this mission and Rom's like, I got a job. (laughs) And it's right here tending to these honey sticks and this honeycomb. He has to break a lot of news to to Rom here. Rom, brace yourself. I have bad news. Because Rom didn't know that Moogie and Nagusek were in love. No. That it's been going on for years. No. He didn't know that his mom was secretly running the Ferengi Alliance. No. All of this all of this is coming as news to him. The fact that she's been abducted news most of all. They get distracted enough by this conversation that as they are crawling through the Jeffrey's tubes, they open the wrong door and stick their heads out into Cisco's office. May I help you, gentlemen? <laughs> I love this scene. That was great. <laughs> It's very little rascalsy. Yeah. I I am a total sucker for any time a character looks through a window or two two or more characters stick their heads out from beyond a corner in anything. Yeah. That's tons of fun. When Larry and JB Smoove do it in the coffee beans episode beans. of <laughs> this most recent season uh-huh. of Curb Your Enthusiasm, uh, I... I had to pause the episode. I laughed so hard. I really appreciate this season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah, it was fucking great. Ben, I want to go go back and pick up something before we move too far away. When when Quark when Quark bullet points all of this information for Rom, did you notice that his nose are in the first three notes of also Sprach Zarathustra? No. 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 So they got to do this. Ram is in a thousand percent. They got to put a team together. But he's in it for the money. Like that's, I think, is crucial, right? He's not doing it because it's Moogie. It's the, it's the, it's the Latinum. Yeah. He's going to get half, half share of the 50 bars minus Quark's finder's fee. And uh, and then they're going to recruit the rest of the team based on the idea that the the total fee is twenty bars minus right. minus Quark's finder's fee. So uh, so the the first member that they recruit is uh, is Ensign Nog, another person with a job. Yeah, and with like an attachment to a military that is currently attempting to de-escalate hostilities with the Dominion. So. <laughs> surprising that he's able to get leave to go do this given that right I, this is like the 
God, it's such fucking minutia to even say this, but I wish I knew how leave worked <laughs> for Starfleet officers. Yeah, it is minutia, Adam, but it's also kind of the premise of our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, w- I wish I knew too. It's still like the 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 latinum is the tempting element of this thing. Right. It's not whether or not he has time off. Right. It's both the latinum and the power because the thing that really gets him hooked is that he'd be the mission equivalent of Worf for the mission. You could be the team's drill instructor. Right. And uh, that is so tasty. Yeah, this He's is got it. It's this is sort of the opposite, right? It's first you get the power, then you get the latinum. <laughs> But their crew isn't complete. They can't do this with three people. We need to, in this episode, Ben, call back every Ferengi we've ever met on Deep Space Nine. Yeah. And at least one that we haven't met, right? Because we don't know Lek, do we? Oh, yeah, we do. Do we? We totally know Lek. When did we meet Lek? Lek was in the episode Ferengi Love Songs. Doing what? That was the episode where Quark discovered that Moogie and Zek were in love with each other. And what did Lek do in it? Lek worked with Zek. Lek worked with Zek. He was his uh, his adjutant. Uh huh. Well, Lek is a uh, is is the knife expert for this team. Guns for show, knives for a pro. Not your typical Ferengi. Much more motivated by his bloodlust than by remuneration. Doesn't right. he? He says out loud he does not care about Latinum, and that fucking shatters these guys' brains when they hear that. Yeah, I mean, he should be thrown in jail for even even saying that, right? Right. That should be against the law. But uh, he, is, he is tempted into participating because he will get to test his skills in com- combat against Jem'Hadar, and that is very exciting to him. <laughs> These skills we come to discover are laughable. <laughs> So I don't know why he's so excited. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what like would it have worked though if they weren't laughable? Like if if this guy was like a totally devastating badass, would you have believed him as a as a Ferengi? I don't know. I mean, I think it might have been interesting if one of them was just really really good at this instead of the, them all being terrible. Yeah. But I guess it's that that title is given to Quark, right? Because he's the one that later on is so frustrated by everyone's inability to do anything strategic. Right. I thought a lot in this episode about how dangerous the Ferengi were in TNG. Like, they were goofy and embarrassing, but they were also getting over on the Enterprise crew pretty routinely. These, these Ferengi don't feel that capable, you know? I was thinking about what changed, and the absence of the phaser lasso is what changed. Mm. Ben, you got to bring that thing back. The fur and the phaser lasso go away, and and they just turn into jokes. What happened to the fur? I don't know. Bring it back. Bring back the fur. Maybe it's uh, it's like the ROMs in Star Trek Picard. You get your you get your Highland. Ferengi and your lowland Ferengi. Oh. You know, those, the highland types are the fur and lasso type. Yeah. Because the, the, the wet, muddy Ferenginar of Deep Space Nine is not a place that where fur would be that adaptive. Yeah. It'd be a disaster. Yeah. It'd be real messy. <laughs> You'd be getting mud in your fur all the time. It'd be stinky, too. You know that. Yeah. They go uh, bust 
cousin Gala out of jail at uh, Starbase 3, blah, blah, blah. You know Gala from the Lord of War episode of Deep Space Nine. Yeah. And you know Starbase 3, blah, 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 from establishing shots of earlier this season episodes of Deep Space Nine. <laughs> yeah. We're making all the callbacks. Yeah. They get everybody together in Quark's bar. They're having a meeting chaired by Nog, who is talking them through schematics. He's got them looking over a uh, a schematic of a Jem'Hadar holding facility. So they're talking about a like a guns hot, a rescue raid in this in this scene. You can tell that Nog is a little bit drunk with like the equivalent of new rich. He's like new power. Right. Yeah, yeah. He's uh he's drunk on it and using it in more extravagant ways than somebody who's used to having it. Don't be ridiculous. You mean don't be ridiculous, sir. And a holding facility is a place that we've seen, right? That's the gladiator camp that Worf and Martok were kept in, right? Yeah, they better hope that they, none of them get thrown into that circle because none of them could hold their own against a Martok type. <laughs> no, I mean, that'd be easy pickings. But the team is not complete yet, Adam. No, it sure isn't. Enter Brunt. <laughs> Ex-liquidator Brunt. Uh, apparently, he has uh, been his employment with the uh, Frankie Commerce authorities has been severed. He's got a bit of an axe to grind, but uh, but also wants to participate in this uh, in this little raid in order to get back in the good graces of the Grand Nagus, uh, which would be great for him. But Quark says, "Like, yeah, yeah, fuck off. We don't actually need you." Um, but Brunt uh, Brunt's got a ship, which is one element of uh, of this scheme that they hadn't quite figured out. Jeffrey Combs is in more episodes of this show than many actors who have their name in the title credits. Yeah, he's he's definitely been in more episodes than, for some reason, Jake this season. Why? What does it take to make the credits on this show? I don't know. I wonder. It, I wonder if one of the rules of that is you need to be one character in order to do it. Maybe. Like, is the multiplicity of characters the the factor that keeps him out of the credits? That makes sense to me. I don't know. I, I mean, who knows the vagaries of Hollywood contracting? Star Trek credits also always include the character name, and I wonder if that's... I wonder if it's just too much work to change the credits every time for <laughs> Jeffrey Combs, because it would always be a different character. Yeah, yeah, it would cost a fortune. I mean... Like you'd give him character cloud to cover them all. Yeah, yeah. Je Jeffrey Combs says, I don't know, one of three or four different guys, maybe. They'd have to roll his characters like credits. <laughs> like end credits. They start practicing for this. They have like a, uh, a hollow suite practice facility it's it's star trek caves they're trying to shoot the gem hadar and not moogie but uh they're finding that the gem hadar in these even in the hollow training are way more than they can handle and these do not seem like the most tactically adept gem hadar like they're not crouching behind cover and firing they're just like standing there in the middle of the room shooting everybody it's pretty fun to see this crew get murdered yeah the way they are that's neat 
I liked it. I liked Lek shooting Moogie. I liked that Moogie got to do a going down by phaser fire scene. If you're an actor and your and your role is Moogie, I think you've got to relish this moment. Yeah. Like, like you know you're not going to get killed like this on the show <laughs> ordinarily. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. You're leaning into it. Yeah. This is the eighth time they've done this, and they seem to be getting worse. <clears throat> That's take 62. We ought to just bag it. Nog is uh, is not doing a great job doing the tactical leadership stuff, and he's uh, he's starting to get frustrated. I think we're getting better. No, you're not. But more frustrated than anybody is Quark. Get out of here, all of you. Who feels like they are just wasting their time trying to make a crack infiltration squad out of a bunch of uh, ridiculously overdressed businessmen. <laughs> Yeah, he might be the most overdressed, right? Yeah. He's like he's wearing the the jacket of a flamboyant televangelist yeah. in this episode. Yeah, it's like a tailcoat but made out of like greyhound bus upholstery material. It doesn't appear to allow the kind of range of motion that you want on a, right. on a mission like this. Yeah, like there are men's jackets that are made for holding a rifle, but they have they have gussets, yeah, right? They have extra material sewn in around the arms and in the back so that when you when you raise the rifle it it's got some expansion. He doesn't Where have do you that. get the gussets, Ben? The gussets. All right. Everything is not the time I wanted to make action figures when I was nine, Adam. <laughs> This is the moment where Quark needs to decide to kill his team or get off the pot. He's fairly devastated by his chances. I like so, Rom's little pep, pep talk here because yeah. Rom is like, why are you trying to be a Nausicaan, man? Like, this isn't, yeah. this isn't you. What you are is a businessman. Why don't we do this as a negotiation? That's what you're good at. It should have been his first thought. But it's not because it would have prevented all of the fun scenes of them training together. That would have killed like twenty minutes of episode time if it hadn't been yeah. if it had been his first thought. So yeah, everyone in the writers' room is like stretching the taffy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they have a little meeting with Cisco and Kira, and uh, we come in in media race with Quark thanking them for what they've done for him. And uh, they say, like, this is good for us as well, so don't even sweat it. And we don't even know what this is about in this scene. I love that Kira, who also, by the way, fucking hates Quark, is like, yeah, you did me a solid, getting me out of jail, so here's your owed one. Yeah. She says, don't turn your back on him. He's not to be trusted about whoever they are talking about. My mind went in a lot of directions here. Yeah. Because... I think the last person we saw in a holding cell was Ducat, right? I also guessed that it was going to be Ducat. I had not paid much attention uh, to the opening credit sequence. So I said, wow, Mark Alamo, is he going to be in this? Yeah. Yeah, very surprised to see Keyvan yeah. on, uh, on Brunt's ship. We need to talk about Keyvan is back. It's true. The only reason Brunt's even involved in this mission is this ship. It's like... When you're in high school and you have a friend that has a car and you really don't like that, this friend for any other reason than that he has a car. Yeah. 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 That's uh, That was me in high school, Adam. So thank you. You were the person with the car. <laughs> I, why am I suddenly so popular? Why are, these, why are these kids hanging out with me? No. 
I didn't even have a car. I had my dad's car. Mm. Sometimes. So Keyvan walks on board to to the shock of everyone. What you want to do when a, when Keyvan arrives is introduce Keyvan to everyone else mm-hmm. who's there, and and uh, Ram does a good job of that. Hi, I'm Ram. Yeah, Keyvan uh, kind of dumps ice in in all of their laps though, because he's like, hey, uh, so. Uh, it's going to be nice dying with all of you guys. And they're like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, the second we leave this station, we're all fucking dead meat. Like, the Dominion is not is not a negotiate with Ferengi's type of organization. And uh, they're definitely going to torture and kill me uh, when, when they have me. But they're probably going to kill you guys just to get me. Like, they did not come here to party the way you think they did. I mean, Kivan really prescribes to the way of absolute candor here in a fun way. <laughs> yeah. You got old, Admiral Picard. Yeah, he's, he's kind of a, a co-op malat boy. Yeah, really is. <laughs> so they head out, and uh, and where they're going to be doing this deal is Empak Nor. That's right. The, the, the tilty space nine <laughs> of the quadrant. <laughs> it's always tilted. That's how you know it's Empak Nor. Yeah. They come in, they uh, they scan for life forms. There are no life forms and uh, they go they go set up in the 6 bay of Empaknor because it's pretty close to where they've docked their ship and uh and it's got it, you can kind of control access to the 6 bay so they can it's it's a defensible position on Empaknor. Empaknor is really the Cardassian Kangol hat tilted on Samuel L. Jackson's head <laughs> yeah. of Cardassian space stations. It's like if you combined a Sam Jackson Kangol hat with a uh, with an auto junkyard where you can go like <laughs> pick and pull spare parts. Yeah, that's exactly it. So, <laughs> yeah, perfect comparison. Yeah, so uh, so they they're trying to get this this room set up. I like it. They they like they eyeball the entrances and, and exits. They 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 take inventory of the of the gear they have around them. Much of it is medical. Yeah, uh, they set up that alarm system that tells them if a ship is entering. Yeah, they, and approaching. They set up the thing to prevent unwanted transports, so that they the Dominion can't just grab Kivan and and leave without even boarding the station. Nog is just as rigid in his leadership qualities as ever, though. He is really pointing fingers and delegating tasks. Yeah, he's he's really drill sergeanting them. Yeah. Telling them that he'll unscrew their head and shit down their neck, that he will peel yeah. their face off with his teeth, etc., etc. If you have some thoughts on my situation, you address me as your superior... And not like one of your ass pals. As much of a downer as he is, in his attitudes, it's Keyvan that is the real downer of the group. Yeah. Anytime, anytime he begins to speak, he's telling them that they're all going to die. Keyvan doesn't seem that upset about this, right? Like, like it's kind of an interesting character choice that he's the guy that was honor bound to take his own life when he was captured by the by the federation but yeah and didn't like and he he chose not to but then he's also like as far as we can tell not shitting himself at all about the fact that he's about to die at the hands of the dominion when he is given back to them like 
he had the chance to Jeffrey Epstein himself a number of times. <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein, who famously killed himself in prison. <laughs> and that is exactly what he did. There was no like foul play at all no. involved in that. Nothing weird happened there at all. Yeah. They've got some time to kill before the Jem'Hadar show up. So they uh, they set him uh, up with, I think, uh, I think it's Gala that's going to be watching him for the first shift. And they all go to sleep and then wake up and Gala has lost track of Kivon. Gala fell asleep on watch. Yeah. Gala sucks. Can't do that. Yeah. He's an arms dealer, not a soldier. I think anyone would have fallen asleep on watch, though. This is sort of a motley crew. Yeah. Yeah. None of these people are, are, are like, super sharp. They managed to uh, get back to the craft before Kivon takes off, and they'd, they'd like disconnected the starter or whatever, so that so that it would be a little bit harder for him to leave. But uh, I really like how much running is in this sequence. Yeah, you really get a sense of the scale of the station when you get the sequence where you see every setting I, of the characters running through. I wondered if they sped this footage up like five percent or something. Because it looked almost a little bit Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. Yeah, I got a little bit of that feeling. It was fun, though. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, the they run and get him and then have to run back because they, you know, the proximity alarm goes off and the Dominion ship is arriving. Yeah. And then they, they, like, rush back to the six bay. They're, like, catching their breath. The alarm gets gets shut off from the outside and uh, Nog is uh, made to go, like, crack the door open a bit to see if anyone is outside the six bay. And uh, and when he cracks the door, he sees that they've brought all the Jem'Hadar, Adam. It's so crazy when he looks out and every available spot on the rail is taken by a gun-wielding Jem'Hadar guy. Yeah. Like, they are, they are elbow to elbow up there. I thought that was great. Like, I, I feel like... A huge percentage of the budget of this episode was just on the extras that they put in yeah. Jem'Hadar makeup because that can't be cheap, right? Like getting like 25 guys in that makeup. The promise of the Jem'Hadar is always overwhelming force and you get it mostly by reputation and not by seeing it. Yeah. But this is, an, this is one of the rare examples where you really see it. Yeah. They're so outgunned that it's absurd. Yeah. It's totally nuts. And they start hearing, you know, calls from, from outside to, like, come out and start the parlay. And the, you know, Kivon is there to say, like, you know, like, they brought everyone because they're here to kill you. Like, this is not... This is not... Kivon is really the newt of this episode. <laughs> I think. Right. Yeah. It won't make any difference. The family goes out to negotiate. I guess that makes all this worthwhile. Don't you start with me, Quark. And they walk right out into the kill zone. Right. And uh, who do they meet but another Vorta played by Iggy Pop. Did you clock him right away just by voice? I sure did. I saw his name come up in the opening credits. And I, at this point, like 
you know, most of the episode has gone by. Like, he is not revealed to, like, about the 30-minute mark in the episode. And I was like, where is this Iggy Pop character going to be? And, boy, he has a great face for Vorta makeup because the, the like, side lobes coming down on the ears really mm-hmm. make him look alien. Yeah. Hey, Yelgren, why the long face? <laughs> He's got a great face for Vorta. You're right. And a great voice for it, too. He's... I feel like most other Vortas we've met have a higher pitched or or Adam Pranica style voice. Yeah, and they're and uh, and Yelgren's got got a deeper voice. I'm glad I was here to witness it. Yelgren is a real no nonsense, no bullshit type Vorta. Like right, he is he does not have time for this stupid negotiation. He's not interested in negotiating. Really, he just he he has to. So yeah, the. The interactions are very like to the point and 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 business like. And uh, what Quark arranges here is all right. Like here's how it's going to work. Like you're going to send all of these Jem'Hadar back to your ship. Your ship is going to start traveling toward Dominion space at all deliberate speed. And then in like 30 minutes, we're going to do this prisoner exchange, and it's just going to be you and us. And maybe you like you can you can keep two of your Jem'Hadar maximum. For some reason, this is a thing that Yelgren agrees to. I mean, I still feel like two Jem'Hadar is more than enough to take on these Ferengi, right? Yeah, what's the Ferengi Jem'Hadar exchange rate, you think? (laughs) I think it's 10 to 1. I think it's an easy 10 to 1. I think at an airport, that's more like 7 to 1. Because they really get you at the airport. Yeah, sure. Right. They they take a a big cut off the top. Right. But if you wait, if you can wait and do it with your bank, 10 to 1. Sure. Speaking of cuts off the top, I feel like Yelgren is really rocking an extremely high top fade. <laughs> yeah. You don't get to see like a lot of Vorta together that often. Yeah. Yeah. So it's fun to cut back and forth between him and, and Kivan. Yeah. I like that a lot. They also have to establish something important in this scene, which is whether or not Mugi is a gold. Right, and you just have to stab her to find out. Yeah. It's uh, that falls it's, to the grandson. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Nog that does it. Yeah. Something that has always driven me nuts about movies and television is that whenever somebody needs to get some blood from someone, they do the knife across the palm. Like I can't think of a worse place to have a knife wound than your palm. It's also the most painful place to be sliced, right? It's the most painful place. It's the most debilitating place. And it's going to yeah. take the longest to heal because that skin moves the most. Are we assuming dermal regeneration is is going to happen? And that's why it's a consequence-free slice across the hand? Oh, yeah. I guess in Star Trek, it's less consequential. Shit. I didn't yeah. even think about dermal regeneration. They get back to Six Bay, and everybody is super impressed with Quark because he basically told the Dominion how it's going to be, and the Dominion agreed to it. Like he he looks very badass to to all of them in this moment. He does. I mean, it's that danger though of celebrating too soon, right? Right. Well, it's it's that. Combined with uh, Rom can't be excited and not let some key information slip. Right. Because 
they're all they're all geeking out about this and Ram is like this is gonna be great I can't wait to whack up that 50 bars of latinum 50 bars you said the reward was 20 and this is an argument that turns hot enough that a, a rifle goes off and all of the Ferengi manage to duck but Kivan gets the rifle blast right to the chest it's a uh, a smoking pit, and he uh, <laughs> and he face plants on the floor of this six bay. I love it. RSVP Key Van. His last words were, "I hate Ferengi," and uh, I feel like Key Van kind of says what we were all thinking in this episode. Yeah, we have become Key Van in that moment. <laughs> we am become Key Van. Yeah, this is bad. This is really bad because the thing that. Quark negotiated is now in danger of of being blown up because they have no thing to exchange for Moogie. It's a fucking crisis. And, uh, and you know, there's a ticking clock here too, right? Because they had a 30-minute a timer that they set with the Vorta outside. And uh, now they've got, they've got a dead key van. We got a dead key van here. <laughs> Nobody cares. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, but you know, a couple of Jem'Hadar who are going to be none too pleased about this, about this bullshit. So the exchange rate on a dead key van is even worse than an airport key van exchange rate. <laughs> right. What is it's it, like? It's like half of a dead key van equals 10 Ferengi equal one Jem'Hadar. Right. Oh, wait. No, that doesn't work. Because that would mean that Jem'Hadar is less valuable than a key van. Aren't they, though? I think it's 100 dead Kivans to 10 Ferengis to 1 Jem'Hadar. Wow. You really think the Jem'Hadar are worthless? No, the Jem'Hadar are worth the most. Really? I don't yeah, I don't get this math that you're doing. <laughs> you're so high right now, man. I I mean, I always do the money exchanger at the airport. That's that's my problem. Yeah. Very bad in international travel. That's a sucker's deal. Yeah. My wife would... would would dry heave if she saw you do that. I, I choose convenience over value. Yeah. It's bad. So Kivan has has fallen in a room chock full of medical equipment and it makes you think that that his his wounds may be survivable. They start putting those little stick on computer deals on his forehead and stuff. You think and, you're uh, gonna get a bit of a clip show here. Yeah, yeah. It, it, the the portable clip show device. But these are just little neuros, neural stimulators. And when Nog puts one on him, Kivan's arm reaches up and smacks Nog across the forehead. Okay, that's just about the most awful thing I've ever seen. Frankie think that the day is saved, but Nog explains, no, no. That was just like an autonomic reaction. But I think we could use this to our advantage. So they, they find the crate of neural stimulators and, uh, and stick them all over this dude. Has anyone here seen Weekend at Bernie's? <laughs> I think I've got an idea. Just going to have to trust me. This Weekend at Keevan's plan just yeah. might work. They need a little time, though. So Quark has to run out into the hallway and stall with Yelgren. But he uh, he says he wants to change the spot for the exchange to over by the airlock where their ship is, is docked. Uh, Yelgren's a little bit... A little bit cheesed about this, but uh, understands why Quark wants to make a hasty getaway once he's got his Moogie back. So um, 
they agree. They're gonna go. They're gonna go meet up in this hallway, and we get this scene right where, <laughs> where uh, it's it's a uh, Yelgren and a couple of Jemadars and Moogie down at one end of the hallway, and Quark and Zombie Keyvan down at the other end of the hallway, and they like count down, and then you know the prisoner exchange starts, and Moogie starts walking toward Quark, and then over in over in the over in the side of the other hallway, uh, uh, Nog is sort of trying to play quap with Keyvan <laughs> and uh, make him make him walk toward <laughs> Yelkrin. I love that uh, the the controllability of radio controlled Keyvan has all of the accuracy of like the old Radio Shack RC cars that you used to get when we were little, like yeah. the worst RC cars. Like yeah. you'd, you'd put in a control input and then and then the truck would turn five seconds later and then go into a curb. Yeah. Really Quap bad. Is hard, man. Yeah. So Keyvan makes it like three quarters of the way there before he kind of veers into a wall. Uh, this distraction is enough for... Uh, for Lek and a uh, and company to throw open a door and take out the Jem Hadar, uh, one of them one of them goes down with a knife and I think the other one gets shot. Uh, Yelgren ducks and uh, does not uh, does not get uh, does not get killed, but uh, all the threats are off the board. So this is victory Ferengi. Do we get to celebrate this time again? guess so there's a lot of celebration in this episode there is i mean they're happy to have moogie back um they decide to give yelgren to the federation as a as a thank you for giving them keyvan yeah and it's kind of it's kind of a a big gift right because yelgren's gonna have more up-to-date information to be debriefed of than keyvan did i hope we cut back to keyvan every once in a while in the episodes ahead of, just still of him bonking just, against yeah. the wall. <laughs> yeah, I want to know how long those batteries last. Yeah, what would go first, the batteries or his like, or would he just like start rotting? Yeah, I wonder if it's a uh, like a water torture thing where even if you hit your head against a bulkhead very lightly, if <laughs> in totality after hitting it there right. twenty thousand times, eventually you just bash your brains in. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I hope they. I hope they keep doing that cut so that we can find out. <laughs> so Quark gets to experience the heroism that he was kept from in that first scene. He gets Indeed to know what it's does. like. Yeah, he doesn't know what it's like. He has to ask his brother. His brother says it feels pretty good, and Quark agrees. Feels good. Yeah. You think Yelgren kills himself the way Kivan was supposed to? I mean, that's the promise, right? Yeah. That's what we've been told. Yelgren's not going to make it that far. I want more Yelgren. I know. Yelgren was such a great character. Like, I I feel like... Are we going to get a Weiyun Yelgren conversation? Yeah, or like a makeout scene or something. I want that. You really want to do this here? Now, okay, okay, let's do it. Did you like the episode? I like Yelgren. <laughs> Yeah, I think I like the episode, though. I mean, this episode tells you very early on, do not take this seriously. Yeah. 
This is going to be one of the silly ones. And I took that message to heart, and I think that made the episode quite enjoyable. I have to say, like, the previous episode, uh, uh, Statistical Probabilities, was also a episode with largely silly characters mm-hmm. that I think also signaled not to take it super seriously ahead of time. But I think I like this episode a lot more than that one. Yeah. Because it just felt, I don't know, it was a more interesting story. I I mean, unlike our hit show, Friendly Fire, I think we can credibly compare episodes of Deep Space Nine, especially within the same season. <laughs> I like the thing that made me a little sad about statistical probability is is that that was like a Bashir centerpiece episode and we rarely ever get those. I feel like we get a lot of Quark centerpiece episodes like like this. Yeah. And I think for the most part they're better. Yeah. Do you think that they're keeping track of that as actors? Like they've got to be, right? Yeah, it makes me think that that like a lot like SNL where I wonder if the actors are sort of pitching the writers in like you gotta, you gotta give me an episode, guys. It's been a while since we've had a Bashir ep. Why don't you cook something up? Like, is there yeah. that kind of jockeying for time? There's gotta be. There's gotta be. Yeah. Right. Like if you're if you're Alexander Siddig and you're looking like, wow, there's been like ten episodes this season, and I've only gotten one that's kind of centered on my character. That's not good. Yeah, it's got to feel bad to week in and week out get your get get in the chair, get the makeup, get the costuming, and then do your six lines and be done with it. You got to really kind of ache for your A story if you don't get it. One thing I noticed about these two episodes, episodes nine and ten, was that I think nine was the last episode before Thanksgiving in nineteen ninety seven, and. Hmm. 10 was the first episode after Christmas. And it's interesting to think about those being kind of comparatively light stories around holiday time. Like this was like a very dark opening to the season. And then and then they seem, seem to have pulled up out of the abyss for uh, the time of year it, the, the episodes would be coming out. I think that's a great point, and it's something I never really look at. Like, all this information is available to us. Like, we know release dates, but I never I never consider their placement within the calendar year with any significance. But I think you're right. Like, why not sprinkle the lighter ones at times in the year where, you know, you'd be with friends and family or people that are not usually uh, exposed to Star Trek, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I think these yeah. are these are broader themes and situations where you don't really need the entire backstory of these characters to appreciate what's happening. Right. And your mother-in-law is there like, why is that guy's ears so big? What's, why, what's him? What's his deal? What now? uh, Now what's a Vardo again? (laughs) Is he going to take his shirt off and sing some songs at some point or? Now these guys are Farningis, right? Well, do you want to see if we have any Priority One messages in the inbox, Adam? Sure do. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Okay, Adam, a couple of Priority One messages here. This is the first. It's from Joel in Bristol, UK. And it's to us, Ben and Adam. 
goes like this. Well, I just finished viewing the Greatest Gen TNG episodes and decided it was finally time to stop denying these hardworking boys their scarves. I haven't started Voyager yet, but I hope the scarves bit has stuck. If you want to come to the UK, I will set you up with podcast fluid. Love ya boy, Joel. Hey, thanks, wow. Joel. Thank you, Joel. Uh, I, I I would love some some uh, British podcast fluid. They they got good podcast fluid over there. They really do. It tastes different over yeah. there from what I you hear. You know what? You know what? American podcast fluid has in common with having sex in a canoe, Adam. It's fucking close to water. <laughs> Delightful. Our second priority one message is. To David the Classicist, and it is from Not Your Wife This Time. Oh boy. Oh no. <laughs> uh, I don't want to be a part of this. <laughs> yeah, it seems, uh, seems dangerous. Uh, <laughs> maybe the message will help us understand. It goes like this. I've finally watched all episodes everywhere. From discussing Trek with you as kids back home, to sipping whiskey at your house, to chatting our way through a pandemic, I hope Star Trek and you are both parts of my life forever. P.S. I swear I'll read your dissertation soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for telling me about TGG. Oh, I see. So, so the your is not us. It's somebody else. Right. That was a misplaced your, is what that was. But still... I didn't know which wife we were talking about, Adam. I was very worried. <laughs> That's where my mind went to, and then I thought, well, like, if this isn't David's... If this isn't my wife, and it's not David's wife, then who is this? Are there other wives in the world? <laughs> Anyways, it's a very sweet message. Uh, if you would like to send a priority one message to somebody, we'd really appreciate it. It helps us keep the lights on around here. You head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron to do it. Do it now! Gotta get that, get that gold press A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I could use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about Microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. 
With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Adam. It's that Ben. Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? God, the obvious choice is Yelgrin, but I'm going to go with Rom. The way Rom introduces himself and everyone else to Keevan aboard the ship is just so sweet. <laughs> it's sweet in a way that he's he's really up in his own head about being hospitable and kind in a way that uh, he's not really thinking about it. He's not thinking about his situation in a way that's very Shimoda-esque. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just going to... I'm going to give it to Rom this time. I'm going to avoid the obvious. What about you? I'm going to give it to Lek. Uh, just every time every time he was on screen, I thought about that guy in Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels that says, guns for show, knives for a pro. <laughs> yeah. I, I liked his, his knife combat uh, pedigree. So Lek is my drunk Shibota for this episode. I like that impression. Uh, on the next episode, season six, episode 11, Waltz, we'll be watching an episode with the following description. After their ship is destroyed, Cisco is stranded on a distant planet with an increasingly disturbed Ducat. 
to cut his back. His back. And uh, I'm going to head over to gach.biz slash game where we keep the game of buttholes, the will of the prophets, and uh, roll the dice on the next episode. Uh, of course, we are currently on square 42. The answer to life, the universe, and everything. Uh, a little bit ahead, we've got that Coco No-No episode. Uh, and I think that's the only thing we could hit, conceivably. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. So uh, I'm going to head. go ahead and roll it. Roll it. Chula! <laughs> Did I win? Hardly. I've rolled a five, which puts us on square 47. We jumped right over that Coco No-No. So no, no drunk episode for these people. No drunk episode for us either. Nope. Just bags and cans for you and me. Mm-hmm. You know, that sounds pretty suggestive, putting it that way. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. Sounds like a fun episode. You want to take this puppy home? Got to do it, Ben. Uh, of course, this show can't go anywhere without the support we get at MaximumFun.org slash join. Your support keeps us going, keeps the lights on, keeps us fed and drank. <laughs> MaximumFun.org slash join is where your monthly support makes the greatest generation possible, and we thank you. We do indeed. We also thank Adam Ragusia, who uh, made the theme music for this show based on the original work of Dark Materia. We thank Bill Tilly, who makes trading cards based on every episode. He puts those up on Twitter using the hashtag GreatestGen. His Twitter handle is BillTilly1973. Mine is Benjamin AHR, and Adam's is at CutForTime. Yeah, social media is the place where you can uh, connect with other friends at DeSoto. Maybe maybe join a group. That would be great. Maybe talk you're, about you're, the show or not talk about the show. There are many groups that don't even talk about the show. They're talking about cooking and... Working out. Knitting and all sorts of things. These are great groups. You're going to love them. Go to uh, maxfunstore.com and get some Greatest Gen merch. we got all kinds of t-shirts and things up there. Yeah, show us your quarantine pick wearing a... <laughs> Wearing an unwashed t-shirt that you got from the Max Fun store. (laughs) And with that, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and an episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine, which is uh, a little like the Mark Morrison song, right? Return of Dukat. You lied to me, even though you know I see four lights. You lied to me. You say five, you say five. Return of the cat, don't you know? Return of the cat. Return of the cat. Oh my god, you know that I'm the cat. Here I am. Mark Morrison. Not to be confused with Mark Alamo. Hmm. Plays Gold Cat. Well, uh, that'll be next week. <laughs> This is we're really holding the show hostage here at the end. Yeah, yeah. The show is Moogie and we are all the Jem'Hadar. We're whoever the Ferengi was that shot Moogie in the simulation. 
<laughs> I'm pretty sure that was Lek. That was funny. Yeah. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.